listening to the future of automotive. Forget about trash, think treasure. In this episode, we will focus on sustainable car manufacturing. How can the industry make the transition towards a circular economy model? Do we need to think in radical new ways about designing cars? I will discuss these topics with experts from the industry. My name is Maria Punch, and joining me are Geert Glimmerveen, CFO of Black Bear Carbon, Jan-Paul Kimmel, a board member of circular automotive platform Cloud, that's Cloud with a T, and Patrick Musers, CEO of Polyscope and founding father of Cloud. Welcome in our podcast studio, gentlemen. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. When uh, discussing cars and sustainability, the focus is often on the fuels, uh, Our main focus in this episode will be on the car manufacturing process and uh, the recycling of materials. Jan Paul, this may seem a really obvious question, but why is it important for the automotive industry to invest in circularity? Well, uh, Maria, well, that's because there are uh, two major uh, developments in the automotive industry. One of these is the energy transition that drives also sustainability in general in the whole sector. Mm-hmm. And secondly, we are thinking in different ways in mobility and therefore also new business models. And that will also drive uh, changes to the whole uh, manufacturing chain. Yeah. And also questions about what is my possession, what are my materials, what are my parts, etc. Right. Geert, before we dive in, let's talk about terminology. In your company, you like to talk about upcycling and not about recycling. What is the difference? With end-of-life tires, um, uh, in a lot of countries around the world, you burn or you dump the tires. Right. Like in Africa or in India or in China, there's a lot of dump places. What we did with cars uh, 30 years ago. Uh, so still with tires. Um, then you can recycle them. Like, for instance, you can burn them and mm-hmm. get the oil out of them. Um, what is used in, uh, in the cement industry. And what we do is getting the valuable materials out of the tire and reuse it in technical plastics, inks, and in tires again. So we really upcycle the basic materials from the tire. And give it a higher purpose? or a uh, Yeah, for tires, if you use it in inks or in technical uh, rubbers, it's really an upcycling. Right. Um, Patrick, you do business with different industries, the automotive sure. industry. Yes. But, uh, in your perception, is the automotive industry an early or a rather late adopter when it comes to circularity? I think there are a lot of new concepts being deployed, but it is a very heavy asset-based uh, uh, mindset still at the OEMs. I think the value chain partners, they do not understand the influence they can have in the change towards different business models. So I think only the last five to ten years, the OEMs really start to realize that uh, their methodology of doing business has to change. And I think within the next ten years, that will speed up very fast. Before we move on, I would like to pay attention to our sponsor, Leaseplan. With over 50 years of experience, Leaseplan's mission is to provide what is next in mobility via any car, anytime, anywhere service, so their customers can focus on what is next for them. Now, it's time to get to know your companies a little bit better. I would like uh, to ask all three of you to give us a short introduction in uh, The way of an elevator pitch, sort of. Uh, Two questions. What does your company do? And how does it make the automotive industry uh, more sustainable? Kind warning, please don't get too technical. We want people from outside the industry to to be able to understand. So perhaps that's a challenge. Um, I would like to start with you, uh, Patrick. What does your company do and how do you contribute? We manufacture in the Netherlands a technical 
plastic or technical polymer which is being used for the complex parts in the automotive interiors. Examples are dashboards or instrument panels, uh, sunroof frames, and they're all thermoplastic, so ready to be used in a recycle, reuse or remanufacturing mode. We supply the large OEMs uh, globally with a very dedicated small team, and next to that we supply high-end electronics, ink and coatings market and paper market, which is absolutely not relevant for the subject today. <laughs> yeah, but that's all in the picture. That's all in the yeah. picture, yes. And when it comes to circularity? Circularity, we our thermoplastic uh, material basically does not lose any performance due to a recycle step. That's where we started uh, many years ago to supply end of life and end of production reuse materials to the automotive industry. Our material is specified uh, at some of the OEMs for 20% recycle use. And currently we are busy with Porsche uh, with a 100% recycled dashboard concept. So there is change in the market, but it's going very slow, very slow. Very slow, yeah. Uh, Jan Paul, tell us about cloud and how you contribute. Yeah, well, cloud circle automotive uh, platform is uh, has been developed because we, we believe there will be really a change throughout the whole manufacturing chain. chain. When we talk about circular economy, uh, it's about materials, but you can also think about parts and remanufacturing, other business models, another way we organize throughout the chain, what will I own, what will I retrieve back from the use uh, case. As a platform, nowadays we are established as a foundation, but we believe it will be in time like a chain company mm-hmm. where we make a business. Profit. Yes, it's a yeah. business. Really, we consider this really as a business mm-hmm. uh, opportunity where we uh, gain profit from the uh, the suboptimal values that has been reorganized in the chain. In, in all the cases I've been involved in circular economy, you see many times there is a sub-optimization throughout the whole chain. Many values are lost uh, in mm-hmm. each step. And when you organize it in a better way, so we join, we bring them together. Uh, therefore, we uh, shorten the whole chain and that will also gain uh, more value. Thank you. Uh, to you, Geert, uh, you said a little bit already, but uh, explain what your company does. <clears throat> Our company uh, developed a technology to recycle end-of-life tires and to recover the carbon black the black out of the tire, which is 40% of a tire. This is black powder, is it? It's black is that, powder, yeah? yes, right. actually. This 40% of a tire is carbon black, so it's quite a lot. And what we do, we have developed the technology, and our basic business model is to sell the technology around the world. Um, so we really envisage a, a few hundred factories around the world to do it in all parts of the world. And we know that the carbon black market is growing, growing at a 5% to 7% a year, mm-hmm. which is a multi-billion market. And uh, we know that we have a lot of tires around the world. So we keep tires also in the future. Electric or non-electric or shared cars, we will have rubber tires. That market will be growing. And so the end-of-life uh, tires will also be growing, which is now posing an enormous environmental problem. And we try to solve with our initiative uh, to recover the oil, the gas, and the carbon black out of the tire. Right, because also the carbon black is, is a very polluting substance to, to produce in the first place. Yeah, so you need a two and a half liter of uh, oil yeah. uh, to produce one kilo of carbon black. Right. So our process is uh, reducing so the the, carb- the CO2 emission 
significantly per kilo of uh, carbon black. And at the same time, the end of life tires not being dumped Mm-hmm. but uh, reused, is also solving an environmental problem. So we have at the front end, producing carbon black, at the mm-hmm. back end, the, the waste, uh, you really uh, contribute a lot. Yeah. And there are more benefits, but that becomes too technical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not allowed. Not allowed. No. Um, you focus on, on one part, which is the tire. How many tires can you process in a year? If you would do it in the Netherlands, one factory uses uh, 40% of the end-of-waste tires in the Netherlands. So with two-and-a-half factory, we have all the end-of-life tires recycled. Uh, You just mentioned you have some serious ambitions. You want to build, ultimately, thousand factories worldwide. There must be some major challenges. What what are the bumps in the road? What are you experiencing? Now, first place, we are carbon black is not a... uh, single specified carbon black because we have a tire and in a tire there are between seven and ten different carbon blacks so you have always a blend mm-hmm. and that blend has to be tested with uh, <laughs> with you patrick <laughs> looking at patrick uh, yeah. <laughs> yes we we had a co-development already we started already. Uh, some years ago yeah. Yeah. yes yeah so the manufacturers of uh, technical rubbers or tire manufacturers mm-hmm. michelin or goodyear or all the big ones, have to test that blended recovered carbon black in their product. So they have to blend it and look if the the technical aspects of their tire functions according to specification. Yeah. So it takes a long lead time in uh, having them convinced mm-hmm. that our product can work in their product. So that's that's a, which goes ex- at this moment very well. Really large OEMs have tested our product. Yeah. Uh, which is sometimes a development period of a year. So we have some big players in the market which have tested it, are very positive. Could you share which players that are? Now, Axel Belfrins on, mm-hmm. on uh, paints. Right. Uh, Trelleborg on tires. Nokiam, tires. Uh, Michelin, tires. And now uh, that's to mention a few. Yeah. I, I have my racing bike. <laughs> and on my racing bike, there are Schwalbe tires for the one who have racing bikes you know the swalbe tires i, know I think this it. is a niche within a niche, <laughs> but, uh, a niche. <laughs> and they are very positive about our products okay says, yes good to know yeah. um, i can i can add on uh, Geert, because uh, what you said about the trust uh, technical engineer must have in a recycled uh, material that's very important that's also what we have uh, learned in a in a project we did with a post-industry waste uh, stream where we had also discussions together because the, the automotive industry requires a certain percentage of recycled content. But a technician who is proud of the machine and everything is working, he is very anxious to change that process. And that's also because of lack of understanding of those decision makers. If we produce a polymer, a polymer is an average of specifications, which results in a performance. If you mention recycle, everybody assumes that it's less performing, which is actually not the case. You could speak about a different performance, which you would then have to match up with other performance to get, again, to an average which uh, is is actually functioning. But people do do not understand that the polymer being supplied, it's also not 
a data point, it's also an average of, of many different functions, of many different points, which result in an average. And I think the term recycling itself yeah. kills the energy in the industry. Right. So, so yeah. words matter. because Words, there is words really do matter because at yeah. the end, yeah, all the plastics and everything we're speaking about is a recycling process from something which started yeah. many, many years ago. Mm. Right. So we start with a recycled product and we make a recycled product. So at the end, we're just speaking about products with performances. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the discussion about recycle kind of kills the energy. Yeah, so there is prejudice on the one hand and there is a lack of knowledge Mm-hmm. On the other hand. And that is where cloud taps in mm-hmm. by bringing all those knowledge partners complementary in a complementary manner together in a focus project. There is trust, there is understanding, and there's a lot of speed towards innovation. Because if you understand each other, if there is trust, people do not wait Mm-hmm. to hear it from their uh, next of kin in the supply chain, they use the entire value chain to understand their own position. And based on that, they feel much more confident to progress. And I think their cloud is a leading foundation in the automotive industry towards developing speed towards new innovations. And that it's it's not the technical challenge, which we always assume yeah. that is the bottleneck of this introduction. It is not. The technical part of it is probably <laughs> less than 10%. The nice. rest is value organization, chain. Yeah. Organization. organization. I fully support that, Patrick. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jan-Paul, do you feel that people are starting to queue up now? Or is there still a lot of convincing to do on your part? Yeah, the, 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 the latter. The latter, <laughs> yeah. And there's... I always ask also uh, my partners, what is the reason for you to think about the circle economy? And many times the answer is not the material or a question about that or availability of it. So you need to think about, uh, you have always challenges in your in your business. And in each challenge, you might have a reason to do it in a circular way. Because when you are about to make a change, then do it in a circular way because you're more prepared for the future. So convincing is still needed. A lot of explanation, mm-hmm. what it is like, what we discussed now here. Also, a better understanding, lack of knowledge, trust. Trust mm-hmm. is very important. You are always uh, discussed with your partner upstream or downstream. Yeah. But now we bring together the whole chain from the material supplier to the tier one uh, manufacturer. So that is a group of almost seven parties, including some other additional parties because of you want to bring in some other knowledge. The first uh, two meetings are about to getting to know each other. And to, yeah, yeah. yeah, testing the water. Please go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Is pricing, there is an understanding sometimes in the industry that a recycled product is more expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's you, Patrick, in, in your business, but our product is uh, a price competitive with the virgin product. So that's an attractive uh, side. And the other side is that because uh, carbon black furnace, carbon black, the original is based on oil prices, which is fluctuating, yeah. as, as everybody knows, because we are several steps away from the oil, our price sensitivity to oil prices is much less. So we have price competitiveness and we are less volatile in our pricing. So there's two elements which uh, yeah, helps a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The volatility yeah. of pricing. Because yeah. That, yeah. 
depends whether you make a profit this year or not. Yeah. And and when you have a stable relationship, where you uh, when we have an arrangement with each other that I can get your carbon black. That's uh, so relationship is important. Yeah, relationship, yeah. trust, business models, pricing. Patrick, would it help to have a role model in the industry? Somebody, or perhaps, are there role models? People that stand up and say, "This is the way forward." I think in many many ways there are new role models, uh, and attitude is changing. And uh, this uh, we speak about pricing, and now uh, it it has to be equal to Virgin. Ten years ago, I can tell you it was uh, discounted uh, recycling, so that's a major step up uh, potentially in the use of of those materials. I think if you look at the new ideas, those are typically hybrid solutions where you look at metals uh, together with plastics. Uh, the major change in the automotive industry, I think, towards a new concept is driven through modular production and the OEMs are being forced to go in, into that route mm-hmm. uh, for the first reason, eh, because not everybody is as prepared eh, to have their electrical vehicle platform develop themselves so they start sourcing amongst each other and with, right. with each other, which is a, a major step forward to reduce the complexity. And I think uh, that is something which uh, will progress in the market, uh, modular building, and that is a lead way, my feeling, towards a more circular economy because mobility questions of the future, they will ask a modular build and they will ask a circular mindset mm-hmm. uh, like we have with buses today, <laughs> uh, we will yeah. have with cars in the future. So I think there are many, many changes. At the end, I also would like people to understand that plastics, they're much more an enabler for a circular economy than uh, a threat or a bottleneck. I think uh, we're discussing uh, plastics in the ocean, which is mm-hmm. uh, ridiculous that we actually are still speaking about that. It, it should have never happened, and we have to get rid of it, and we have to make sure that that is not allowed. But if you look at the technical plastics and the technical performance plastics, we're, we're beating metals, uh, which are being recycled at 1,500 degrees C. A lot of energy is needed to get that back into shape. Yeah. If we are using thermal plastics or if we're using uh, carbon black, we're at 200 degrees with thermoplastics and we're at 700 degrees with carbon black so at the end we have to bear in mind that we have to judge the full chain of command and the full chain of use uh, for specific technologies so I think uh, uh, honest uh, facts and figures are needed uh, to make people understand what is actually the right choice here Does that mean a big part of your job is spreading the word? We're talking too, to people? We're too small to <laughs> spread the word around the world, uh, we, we try to do uh, BNR News Radio yeah, well, uh, which gives us a nice opportunity uh, We're to happy speak to out. contribute We take we take stage at the IAA Frankfurt and wherever we can we we try to promote obviously our uh, technology, our concepts, our ideas. Uh, Poliscope has has been founding father of cloud uh, because we need to work in a in a partnership model uh, that has matured to a business model which is now fast automotive group which is basically yeah i would say the first business model uh, being generated from a cloud partnership mm-hmm. whereas we are working from design engineering tooling injection molding material uh, development towards new innovative concepts for the automotive industry so i think as a smaller player in the market we lead 
at least our position in into a circular economy mindset. But for me, it's it will become a condition. Mm-hmm. It is not a goal or objective for Poliscope. It is a condition of doing business, right. which is a major change in in the mindset. Do you see other options? We've talked about the tires. Do you see and the plastics? Do you see other options for recycling parts of the car? Yes. Yeah. Uh, remanufacturing. That's called remanufacturing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is increasing uh, th- since five years now. There is in Amsterdam a yearly uh, conference about remanufacturing, and the automotive industry is one of the uh, sectors where it, uh, it has always been there. Huh? Remanufacturing your yeah, yeah. your old used car that is dismantled and some parts can be reused. But with remanufacturing, you focus more on uh, as, uh, the same as what you talked about, the carbon black, the continuous supply, with also quality assurances, uh, track and trace, where, uh, what is the part, what is the history of it. Right. It's very important. You uh, see new business models there as well? Not, not in a way that the whole chain is covered. Huh? It's still a cell mm-hmm. of used parts, but... When you bring it in a new use contract, mm-hmm. where everything is exchanged and reused and and, uh, and remanufactured, uh, that's not very common at the moment. But uh, with all the service contracts, uh, like lease plan and and and, and uh, shared car services, yeah. you might expect that you will also bring those uh, remanufacturing elements in the whole chain. Right. Um, Geert, I think you also mentioned the responsibility mm-hmm. uh, that, that we need to um, feel responsible when a product is used. What do you think we really need to move forward in circularity? Is there is there one thing that could create a breakthrough, do you think? It's a big question. I know. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yeah, before this job, I, I uh, was the MD of Vergantswinkel, uh, Netherlands, and we had a lot of waste uh, to handle every year, enormous amounts. And it is quite difficult to find uh, viable business cases, which are scalable. Of course, it's nice to have a small, nice, very small niche, but in the amount of waste we produce every year and in the amount of waste we produce with cars every year, that amount is enormous. So you need to have viable business cases. And in my career also for DAF, it helps, and I know from experience, that legislation, mm-hmm. like for instance on, on trucks, you have that Euro 6 engines, yeah, which have a, a kind of emission standard now um, in Europe. It helped to develop the industry. Right, and and it, it made the industry more innovative, setting a standard uh, higher, and the truck manufacturers knew that those steps were there. Yeah, so they knew the path. In the next 20 years, you grew from Euro one to Euro two to Euros now Euro six, and it will be probably a Euro seven standard or even electrical trucks. Now you could have not imagined 10 years ago talking about electrical trucks. No. Legislation helps. Legislation helps. And um, also to um, uh, be obliged to reuse a certain percentage of your uh, virgin material and have a certain percentage of recycled <coughs> material 
it helps. Mm-hmm. I think at the end, if you look at those uh, euro norms, that's also a way of protecting your European manufacturing landscape towards uh, new entrants. And I think there we also have to look at the opportunity of those concepts in protecting our own manufacturing landscape towards influences uh, from other regions of the world because uh, the euro norms has, has basically yeah, destroyed the smaller OEMs in Europe and yeah. made the bigger ones bigger. But today they're also protecting us and our, our own manufacturing uh, footprint from yeah, overwhelming Chinese imported cars because of our to- technology advantage. And I think uh, the, the introduction of electric cars... Um, it might be much easier for others uh, to take over the manufacturing footprint which we have today in mm-hmm. Europe uh, by imported cars. So I think if we progress and move towards uh, different constraints, they are not always negative in the industry. They also serve a different purpose. Yeah, Jan Paul, do you think that uh, like a national government could do more to bring us forward? <laughs> Uh, well, the Netherlands do, uh, they do a lot about yeah. uh, circular economy. Uh, we are front runner as a country, but I still believe that uh, the government can do a lot. Uh, first of all, their own purchasing of uh, materials and, 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 uh, and goods. Leading uh, by example? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, you have to deal with the European uh, purchasing rules, etc. But there are many examples, especially here in the Netherlands, several groups that have overcome uh, problems with that. So that's the first thing. Secondly, for the automotive industry, it's an international market. So it's very difficult, uh, what we see with all the European issues, uh, yeah, to overcome this. But the automotive industry in the Netherlands is a large market. It's about 9 billion market. So we are rather strong, a strong market sector in in the Netherlands. And, and, and in the Netherlands, it's, it's well organized. Yeah? So we have Rai, we have Bovag, we have Fokwa. We, yeah. It's a very organized uh, landscape of, of branch uh, uh, foundations who yeah. support. Uh, they are the founding fathers of RN, uh, which is the first step to recycle the entire car. Yeah. Uh, we are reporting 98% of recycling of cars in the Netherlands. It's not always the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. But at least it's a very firm step towards new solutions, new business models. And I think especially Rai shows uh, leadership also with the circular economy. And uh, with cloud, we hope to step up there and, and attract uh, projects and programs which yeah, could be benchmark projects uh, uh, for others to pick up on. Mm. Concluding, uh, Patrick, I think in one of the articles I read that that you could see the Netherlands like a niche champion. Uh, we don't have really a, a car manufacturing industry anymore, but that we're really good in, in, in the niche. Is that, do you think, the Dutch potential, if you, if you also look at your own company? Absolutely. Dutch Dutch are innovators. I think uh, we're speaking the same language within within this country. And we are tech-based. It's information, data-driven uh, type of discussions, which you will get uh, once you need to track and trace certain pieces and parts to, to get them back, to get that value chain end of life closed. I think uh, the automotive industry in the Netherlands, uh, with many innovative companies, has uh, shown that they lead uh, those innovations and we will 
show that again at uh, the IAA in Frankfurt. So I think the Netherlands is very well prepared and there is not a force driving them back like there is uh, in Germany where everybody still believes that the OEMs decide, whereas right. they are also looking for new business models and the decision power is, is drastically changing, I would believe. Patrick Musers, Geert Glimmerveen and Jan-Paul Kimmel, thank you so much for joining me. Did you enjoy this episode of The Future of Automotive? Then stay tuned for our next one. We'll talk about mobility infrastructure. You'll find us in the BNR app or your favorite podcast player. Till next time.